Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Hello there, and welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin, and today my guest is Doreen Wong, who is a storyteller and a community organizer. And I'm going to find out from her later what that is. And also, she actually works with poetry podcasts and has a show called Inian de Gaobai. That translates into Spanish Dos Salidos. And、um, but anyway, I'll have her explain to you what that is all about. She actually is a podcaster for、uh, one of my alum from the same college in Boston,、uh, USA, who actually owns a podcast company. I'm sure that Emily Wu, my、um, you know my alum,、uh, that she's very excited to have Doreen as one of her podcasters because wait, Doreen, did you get an award for this Dos、uh, Salidas? <laughs> We were nominated for best new podcast. Whoa, that is amazing! All right. Anyway, so now you've already met Doreen. Okay, I'm actually doing this interview on the phone. So, hi, Doreen. Hi. Yes, so good to have you, and thank you so much for giving me this time to interview you. Because I think you really have an interesting background, but not only that of what you're doing presently. But、uh, we're going to get to that. So I'm going to start from way back. Like you know, you are from Taiwan, but then you said that at the age of four months, you、uh, your parents at the time were already in the states, but then sent you back to Taiwan so that your grandmother could take care of you until you turned four. Is that right? Yes, the only the only other thing I would say is that it was actually my grandfather who did the majority of taking care of me.、Oh. My grandfather was really good with kids,、mm. so the story is that you know, as I was crying on the airplane because I'm four months old on an airplane heading to Taiwan,、uh, he would pace the halls, the aisles of the airplane,、um, yeah. so that I wouldn't feel so upset, you know, and、mm. crying all the time. By the time I was in Shaoban in Taiwan, my parents、um, had me back in the states for preschool, and so I did all my schooling and growing up in the U.S. mostly in New Jersey and New York. And what's this thing with poetry? Do you love with poetry? Were your parents really getting you into like doing a lot of reading and stuff? No,、uh, it's funny because you know I have memories of learning English as a child. You know, so I went back. I was in preschool, and I remember. You know, going to school and not understanding anything, and I went home and I said to my mother,、uh, "The teacher said a word, alligator. What is alligator?"、Uh-huh. And my mom said, "I don't know." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think somehow I started teaching myself by wa- I watched a lot of TV as a kid, so I watched TV and I started reading as a way to learn English. And really, all of that was stories. So stories were the foundation of language as a child for me. And then I think I began to discover well, the the blank page was a lot easier to practice this new language versus speaking. It felt safer. The white page. So I started writing stories, and then and then I was introduced to poetry. I don't know at what point in school. And poetry was the first form where I saw that you could break the rules of grammar.、Oh. <laughs> that's that's great discovery. I'm picturing you taking part in a lot of like poetry contests, poetry reading contests, or something. Yes. 
I did. I, I got some, you know, when you're in school, you want to try different things. And I was really lucky because I was this immigrant kid who um, who got some recognition for, for her writing, for her English language writing. Oh, good for you. Uh, but, you know, it's high school. So it's um, I was just very lucky to be encouraged. And then when you went to college, you studied race and ethnic studies at Brown University. Can you talk about that? Has that any relations to poetry? I guess not. Yes? No? (laughs) It's a great question. So I think the biggest part of my identity is being an immigrant. So when I first went to college, I said that I wanted to be an anthropology major. Because I was interested in people and culture. And I learned about race and ethnic studies as a response to traditional anthropology. It was people of color saying we wanted to study ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it was part of um, the movements of decolonization in the 60s and 70s. So my focus in race and ethnic studies was Chinese immigration to Latin America. Because I was curious about where... Chinese people, I guess, or, you know, people of Asian descent could feel safe once they left their home country. You know, when you become floating out in the big wide world, where can you feel, where can you find corners of safety? You know, it's interesting how I never thought the way you did is actually you studied this to understand yourself as an immigrant's um, status. That is very interesting. I mean, it seems so like, you know, people don't get defensive hearing from you that you study it to understand yourself better instead of thinking that, oh, why do you study that? Just so that you know, you know, about, you know, these other races and how to deal with them. That is nice. You know, that just seems like, you, you, you know, people wouldn't get offensive knowing that you studied that for the purpose that you had. Where this this thing about, you know, um, storytelling, well, of course, storytelling, I guess, because, you know, of poetry and of the way that you watched, you know, a lot of TV and learned, a, you know, just reading a lot on storytelling. So obviously that's, that brought you to being become a storyteller. But in what way are you talking about as a storyteller? So I began with um, writing. That was my first medium, you know, the white page and the pen. Uh, and then actually it's very interesting because family stories, I think you're right. When... I was growing up in the U.S. I didn't really see a lot of, it felt like if I didn't tell our family's stories, nobody would. Mm. So in college, I was, you know, as you know, my major, but I also had a minor in creative writing. So I was trying to combine all my interests. And I said to my mom, okay, what happened was I came out in college to my mom. Uh, I, I was basically in love with my college best friend, although I had trouble admitting it. Mm -hmm. And I came out to my mom. It was not the easiest, as I'm sure you've heard many young people talk about. And we realized that with my coming out, there was a lot we didn't know about each other. Mm -hmm. So with my background in ethnic studies and in creative writing, I said to her, will you collaborate with me as my thesis project? You mean you said that to your mom? I did. Oh, okay. I said to my mom, I need to graduate with a thesis. And will you collaborate with me as my thesis project? So we did a, we did a series of storytelling um, mediums to explore our relationship. And the thesis was called 合作. 
collaboration. Mm. Um, and so I said to my mom, okay, let's begin by making a timeline of each other's lives. You make a timeline of my life and I make a timeline of your life and let's compare where the white spaces are. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I'm speaking with Doreen Wong on the phone. She is a storyteller, a community organizer, and a poetry podcaster. She also has a show called Inian de Gaobai, Dos Salidas, where she hosts with her mom. It's interesting because I know that I read up on you in this publication in Taiwan, and it was in English. You wrote it. And mm-hmm. it got me the feeling that, well, okay, we're eventually going to talk about what you're doing right now with that, you know, Dos Salidas. But um, I know that um, you have all these collaboration with your mom. But then it made me think that maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your mom in the beginning. And yet you're doing so much collaboration, whether it's storytelling or, I don't know, maybe even poetry. And then even like podcasting now has to do with your mom. How was your relationship with your mom before? That's a good observation. I think for me, I've discovered that art is my problem solving tool. I didn't have the best relationship with my mom. And I think, you know, my friends growing up in Taiwan and my my friends that have grown up abroad, it's this funny central theme. You know, the the our relationship with our parents is one of the most complex ones of our life. I knew my mom loved me, but I think because partly because of immigration and other gaps, the love felt very far away. I didn't know she knew who I was. Well, okay, I, I've got to touch on this other thing that I really want to learn before we actually go into what you're doing right now, um, which is really an awesome thing, is community organizer. What is this? Fill me in on this. I'm not quite sure what this is. So I was thinking about this and Basically, I think my entire life, I've been interested in two very old traditions, the story and the community. And they're old traditions of making sense and meaning in our life. Mm. And, you know, I was telling you about my experience growing up as an immigrant. There was a deep loneliness. I look back now and I realize there was a lot that I, um, I I think I wished I had more relatives around me. Mm. And I wish that I also saw more people that looked like me growing up. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily mean community, but I think I was searching for belonging. You know, that's very interesting. I have tons of relatives. Um, my, my father has like six, seven siblings. So, you know, our relatives, you know, the family tree kind of like extends extensively. And um, so I... I'm not like you. I, I don't like to spend that much time with my relatives, you know, because you feel like they always like asking all the same questions. Um, I mean, before I got married, probably. But then, um, you know, it's always the same thing because I don't see them as often. But every time when we do get together, it's um, actually it's very, very surfacey kind of conversations all the time. It's interesting how you said that you wish that you had more relatives around you and everything. I guess... Um, you know, being in Taiwan with a lot of relatives and being in a foreign country or second home and with no relatives, I think you would have different sentiments, I would suppose, different feelings about things. Right. And I'll just add one other thing about community organizing. So when I went to college, I was 
my eyes were really opened up to a lot of the experiences I had in school or growing up. They they had a larger context. You know, the U.S. is a place with a lot of oppression. Um, and so when I was bullied um, in the school, in my schools, or I saw my mom kind of having to um, face a lot of discrimination in the workplace. Mm. By the time I got to college and could give a larger context to these issues, that also contributed to me feeling like I wasn't so lonely. I wasn't the only one. Mm. And that's how I learned about community organizing. Community organizing is basically you bring people together to figure out how you can make social change. Oh, wow. So that brings you to, actually, I don't know how many years back when you discovered that your mom has cancer and actually is terminal cancer. Right. It was right at the beginning of COVID. So it was probably around Chinese New Year in um, 2020. You know, we were celebrating New Year and my mom said, yeah, my stomach's been hurting and I don't know what's up. But then it was also the rise of COVID. So she didn't want to go to the hospital right away. It right. seemed yeah, kind of dangerous to go to the hospital. So she waited. And then by the time March came around, the pain wasn't going away. So she went to get a couple of tests done. And the doctor said to her, oh, I'm just going to give you some uh, oh, She's painkiller. Mm. Right, painkiller. She said, she said, no, I think I need to do a CT. I need to do other tests. And her intuition was right because what we discovered was that she ha- she had a rare form of cancer, um, non-lung small cell cancer. And it's so rare and so hard to discover that by the time we found out, it was already stage four. Come back and tune into In the Spotlight next week as I speak with Doreen Wong, who will talk about her reaction to a mom's cancer and why she decided to do a podcast with a mom. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds.